Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, hello, hello. We meet again. This is Tady, and you're listening to Sex, Psych, and Self. Wait, that's. This is. T- Katie, this is Sex, Psych and Self and welcome back, episode three and how exciting is it for you to be here with me and that rhymed if you didn't realise. This episode is all about kinks, Um, everything kinky. I do want to apologise. I have two little sausage dogs that are literally making out at my feet. Stop! So if you do hear some weird growling, moaning noises in the background, um, it's not me, it's my sausage dogs. So (laughs) episode three, all about uh, sexual kinks, relationship kinks and everything kinky. Um, I know this isn't really a sexual health topic per se, but... Um, it is kind of a taboo subject and there is a lot of psychology behind it. So I did want to discuss this on the podcast and I had a lot of fun researching it. So here we are talking about kinks, doing the thing. Now, before we start, um, just a few housekeeping things that I like to do at the start of the podcast. Uh, just a little catch up of my week. I have been working, working, working. Um, I did night shift on the weekend and it really rolled me and I felt super guilty for not doing anything on my days off on Monday and Tuesday 
But I honestly, I was exhausted. Like I could not even lift my head off the pillow. I moved from the couch. No, I moved from bed to the couch. That's about as far as I got. Tuesday was a bit better. I went to the gym and things. But other than that, I did fuck all. So I I do apologize for the podcast being out a bit later this week. But, you know, I still got to work my jobs until this podcast takes off, you know. (laughs) Anyways, let's get into it. Talking all things kinky. Um, Let's get a little bit weird. I do want to start by asking you a question, a little thing to ponder about. Um, What do you think of when you think of the word kink? I thought about this myself when I started researching this topic. I was like, what do I think of when I think of the word kink? I think if you're not necessarily a kinky person, you wouldn't really think of kinky stuff often. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But when I think of the word kink, I think of like exciting. I think of like next level, like, you know, I think a lot of people would agree with me when when I say this. I think of Grey's, I was going to say Grey's Anatomy. Oh my God. Definitely not Grey's Anatomy. I mean, if you're into it, you're into it. I mean, McDreamy who? But... I meant to say Fifty Shades of Grey. And I think a lot of people probably think of the same thing. Well, I'm here to tell you that it goes a lot, a lot deeper than the kind of thing that you see on Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, I have never read the books. I've heard the books are a lot better. The definition is pretty much non-traditional sex. It's consensual, obviously. Always have consensual sex. If it's not consensual, it shouldn't happen. Now, every sexual experience is generally physical and psychological. As we know, I kind of touched on it in the first episode of Sex, Psych and Self. And as we learn to associate an object or experience with arousal, which actually happens quite early on in life, the two become tied together. So ultimately, we develop fetishes through experience um and this was actually said by well suggested by doctors who have uh researched kinky behaviors and the psychology behind sex I did read a lot of articles um kind of looking into the question is there mental health issues behind sex uh sorry sex sexual kinks are sexual kinks closely related to mental illness Obviously, there are some illegal kinks. Uh, I wouldn't even call them kinks. Uh, illegal interests. And I think I don't even have to go on to it. Like, I think we all know the illegal ones. So there is some level of mental illness behind those ones. A professor called Dr. Richard Kruger, and he seems to think that some people who practice fetishes or, you know, alternative erotic lifestyles may be mentally ill or have experienced trauma. But he says that this is not necessarily a predictor. So this meaning that not everyone who has a kink has experienced trauma in their life or not everyone who has experienced trauma in their life is necessarily going to develop a kink of some sort. So I thought that was really interesting. And when I tell you I researched this um, podcast, I researched it. Like I went deep and dark into the web. So I would hate to look at my browser history, hey, because it would just be like, kinks this, kinks that, kinky sex. 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there are a lot of myths when it uh, does come to kinks. And like I mentioned before, one of these myths is that kinks derive from trauma, that kinks are freaky or not normal and should be tr- shameful. Now, this podcast does not condone kink shaming and in no way in this episode I will shame a kink. Um, the only ones I don't agree with is, like I mentioned before, the illegal ones um, for obvious reasons. Other than that, be free, be wild, do you. Whatever you're into, sis, do it. I'm not here to judge you, non-judgmental care. I just want to talk about it because I think it's hella interesting. And the psychology behind it, like I mentioned, you know, in the first episode, second episode, third episode, the psychology behind everything to do with sex just is wild and it blows my mind. And that's why I wanted to bring it up on this um, on this podcast. Kinks can start to um, develop from early sexual encounters, anything that seemed pleasurable in the early days of, you know, your sexual history can stem back as fetishes later in life. And I refer to here the adult baby fetish, which, you know, you have probably seen around and it stems back to being an adult acting like a child or baby and not having a worry. And that's exactly it. It's not necessarily the sexual act of being a baby because that's, you know, quite illegal and frowned upon, but, and disgusting, but it's more the mentality of being a child and not having a worry and being calm and and being looked after by someone. So that's kind of what I mean when I talk about the psychology behind kinks. It's not just, yeah, I like to wear a nappy and get like, you know, intercourse. <laughs> um, I'm trying not to swear as much, so <laughs> I was going to say the F word. Um, so it's not just putting on a nappy and getting, you know, shagged, having sex with, but it's that mentality of careless, free. Um, and like I said, being looked after by someone and who doesn't like to be looked after, even the most fiercely independent edge of individuals loved to be looked after and nurtured. I'm a fiercely independent individual and when my boyfriend does something caring for me or when I go home to my mum and she like cooks me dinner, you know, rubs my back when I don't feel well, I don't care if I'm 12, 27 or 47, that shit's never going to get old. And mum, I know you're listening, so keep rubbing my back when I don't feel well, please. And keep cooking me dinners because I love it. Um... I did also read an article that suggests that we kind of start our development of sexual interests from a young age, which personally I don't find surprising, but some of you listening may find find it surprising. I was one of those children that played mummies and daddies with my friends. Um, and of course that it's definitely, I'm not saying, Oh, that's one of my kinks now. Cause it's not, but, um, Mummy and daddy kinks are a thing. And, you know, we played that as children. And, you know, cops and robbers, that came up frequently in the articles I read, like commenting on the fact that children play cops and robbers and this leading on to be a fetish later in life. So it does closely intertwine to when we are younger and role playing. I also read that between the, which I thought was 
super interesting. Between the ages of 11 and 14 is when we start to solidify our interests, you know, start figuring out what, you know, interests us and especially interests us, aka arouses us. And between the, like, you think, oh, 11-year-olds, like, between the ages of 11 and 14, you're young. But I don't know about you, and this is going to get super personal, but I did start becoming sexually active between the those ages. Do I regret it now? Of course. I wish I did wait. And if I knew then what I knew now, it, I would be a whole lot different. But I did it. What was, what was I trying to figure out? I don't know. I, I think it was more of a mentality of I just wanted to get it over and done with. And like I have spoken about in previous episodes, and I will get, I will get more into it in a different episode, but I was seeking that validation from someone. Um, and at the time, committing the act of sex seemed like the only way I could get that validation, which, you know, is the stem to a lot of my trauma. And um, that same pattern continued on till I was, you know, 17, 18. You'd hope that acting on this inter- on these interests that you develop when you're un- younger doesn't happen till you're over the age of 18. But sometimes it happens before. And like I just mentioned, you know, some people start younger than others. Women are proven to lose their virginities younger than men um and think what you will I think it's due to the fact that it's you know it's easier for women to get a sexual partner than it is for men um and that you know stemming back to when we spoke to the I spoke about the psychology of sex in the first episode. That's just because men look at sex as a way more f- primal act than women. Um, men can't necessarily just go out and get a root. Some of them can. But women, nine times out of ten, will find it very easy to get a root when they want a root. We all live very stressful lives, especially as we become adults. And, you know, developing kinks can be... A release from these stresses in our adult lives and you know kinks can almost act as like a coping mechanism you know that's your release that's your meditation if you will and there's nothing wrong with that I mean everyone copes in different ways and coping is extremely individualized so as long as it's safe consensual and you know legal then you do you you do what you need to do. Like I spoke about before, kink shaming, it also just, you know, comes back to that term stigma. Almost should be recognised as a mental health issue in itself, um, kink shaming. An article, another article that I read, because there is just pages and pages of articles on this, um, suggests that the level of shame can lead to anxiety, depression and suicidal ideation, meaning that don't shame people for their sexual interests. If it doesn't affect you, don't shame people for it. If it's safe, if it's... I'm going to say it again and I'm probably going to say it 400 more times. If it's safe, if it's consensual, if it's legal, where do you get off shaming people for it? It's got nothing to do with you. Okay, if someone likes feet, they like feet. Like, let them be, let them live. And there is literal scientific evidence that proves that king shaming 
leads to anxiety, depression and suicidal ideation. Why would you do that to someone? Just let people live. Oh my God. It's like you can't, you can't like anything without getting torn down. And I know that we're never going to stop shitty people because there are a lot of shitty people out there. So we're we're never going to be able to stop that. But I think it's definitely, you know, a start to start talking about it and stop treating kinks as some taboo, naughty subject. Why is it naughty? Because it's not not traditional, because it's not what we know. Education is key. Knowledge is power. The more we talk about it, you know, the more we talk about it, the less naughty it becomes. And, you know, knowledge, like I said, knowledge is power. The more people that are knowledgeable in areas of sex, the less scary and the less frowned upon certain things will be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, people literally dedicate their whole careers to sexology. And I do hope to be a sexologist one day. Um, It's actually a dream. And for this reason like I just want to stop the taboo I want to talk about it I want to open it up and I want like especially younger people experimenting I want them to think it's okay and it's not something that they need to hide and they can be themselves I personally have never been in a sexual situation um that I thought was uh, what's the word because I've you know, I was thinking uncomfortable, but I definitely have been in a couple uncomfortable sexual situations. I've never been in a sexual situation where I have acted um, or participated in a kink that I was like, I didn't want to participate in. I'm a very open-minded individual. And apart from maybe two or three Let's try everything. And I think you should. And especially if you're in a very committed, like, happy, healthy relationship, I think that is your time to experiment with everything because how do you know if you like something? By trying it. How did you figure out that you liked KFC chips? You ate them. How did you figure out you like being choked in the bedroom? within reason, lightly choked. You tried it, okay? How did you figure out that you, you know, like your hair pulled during intercourse? You tried it. Give it a try. Apart from two of my previous sexual partners uh, who were heavily, heavily into BDSM, um, which is the dominant, submissive, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey kind of sex um that was a bit extreme for me in no way was I kink shaming but for me and my interests I wasn't into that and I think I felt like I was very young and impressionable so at the time I felt like I had to you know perform these kinks for the man that I was with Nothing was for me at that time. And a lot of my sexual encounters between the ages of 13 and 18 were not for me. They were for the man. One of my ex-sexual partners was so into BDSM that me and my friends would literally refer to him as Mr. Grey. 
you know how your friends always come up with like little nicknames for the dudes you're seeing? Actually, I watched a TikTok about this the other day and none of the dudes, she was like, none of the dudes that you see actually, you know, your friends don't refer to them as their name. They have all these nicknames. And I was like, same. Like I had a Mr. Grey. Um, oh, at one point I was calling an islander that I was dating literally Honolulu. I don't know why. I think his name kind of sounded like Honolulu. No one I've... My current boyfriend, my living long-term relationship that I am in right now, when I first started dating him, we would call him Wapfish. Wapfish. <laughs> there is a story behind that and I don't think I necessarily want it to go on about it on the podcast, but Wapfish. <laughs> For like the first five months we were seeing each other. But yeah, stemming back to these BDM SM relationships, the thing that I did notice with these sexual partners is that they knew that I was uncomfortable with the level of BDSM that they wanted that was their kink. And they would still initiate sexual encounters. It wasn't non-consensual because I did say yes in every situation, um, but they knew that I couldn't perform to the level at which was their turn on that would arouse them yet they still came to me and initiated sexual encounters they would push bdsm on me they would start off you know with the soft you know soft gentle stuff and then it would move on to a point where i was very uncomfortable and again i was very young um i was like 17 i wasn't that young no actually no, I was of age. I was about 19, I think. Yeah, I was about 19. So I was I was too young to be that confident with myself in the bedroom to stand up for what I believe in. And talking about it now, that's awful that I put myself in these situations. And this is what I'm saying. Like, this is a lot of where my trauma has stemmed from these situations that I would put myself in and I didn't feel confident enough or good enough or I was so you know, hungry, so craving that validation that I wouldn't stop what I was not comfortable with. I'm not saying it was sexual assault. I'm not saying that in any way because I did consent to it to the end. I'm just saying I was very uncomfortable. And it got to a point where I've had my hair extensions ripped out um, and I was leaving, you know, dates with bruises, um, everywhere not just you know on the places you'd expect from a sexual encounter but on my arms on my legs everywhere and that's not okay I mean if you are into that sure go ahead but I think it's so important to put yourself first especially in sexual situations that's not okay you need to be comfortable with whatever is happening to your body and you need to be fully into it if there is any part of you that goes hey like this is not this is not what I'm about I don't want to go into this then stop and speak up because I think the thing I feared in situations like that was I feared that they wouldn't want to you know be with me anymore I'd feel that they wouldn't want to you know get with me anymore but if some, looking back at it now in my adult educated brain, if someone doesn't want to be with you anymore because you felt uncomfortable in a sexual situation, are they really worth being with? I mean, I'll leave you with that thought. I think we all know the answer. And I don't think this is oversharing. I, I was a bit 
what's the word? Like I, I was a bit standoffish with sharing this information, but again, knowledge is power. And if I don't share, how will you know? Like that's the point of this podcast. It's all about building ourselves up. And I have actually gotten some uh, messages on the sex psych and self Instagram wanting me to talk about confidence in the bedroom. And I will definitely make a podcast about confidence as a whole and confidence in the bedroom. It's taken me years, years to become the person I am today, both in life, um, behind closed doors and in public. So yeah, I can definitely make a, I will, I will definitely make an episode about that because it has been requested. It takes a, it takes a while and, um, it takes some dealing with your mental, like the root of your mental health to feel comfortable with yourself in those kind of vulnerable sexual situations. Cause as we've spoken about before, sex is the most dangerous situation it's scary it's dangerous at the same time as being exciting fulfilling and the literal foundation of life like it's just that's why it's just blows my mind that's why I'm so into the psychology behind it and breaking the taboo and the stigma because we need to talk about it it's everything whether we like it or not it's everything so It takes us to this question, um, and this is a massive trigger warning. Um, I do mention sexual assault, and if you don't want to, you know, hear about that, maybe fast forward five, ten minutes. But um, when we think of BDSM, especially extreme BDSM, is it BDSM or sexual violence? Is it BDSM or sexual assault? I feel like BDSM, and again, BDSM is that really like dominatrix, dominant, submissive, Fifty Shades of Grey type thing. It's really glorified in movies, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, and in porn as well. It's it's really glorified. It makes it look so much better than it actually is. Not just Fifty Shades of Grey, but heaps of books and heaps of movies all go with this fantasy of BDSM and having a dominant lover and true lovers of BDSM have actually called Fifty Shades of Grey a terrible description of what it actually is and have even gone as far as to call the series of novels and movies dangerous as it glorifies violent sex without context. Now, when I first read that, I was like, huh? Glorifies violent sex. But I feel like they're saying and reading more into it, that he was pushing his BDSM. At the start, he was pushing it onto her. So I feel like that's what they're saying about glorifying it um, without context. At the same time, these BDSM lovers, and I read reviews, called it vanilla and not an accurate description of what a BDSM relationship is actually like. But when is it too much? And BDSM is a very broad term and it refers to a spectrum of sexual behaviours and preferences that can be divvied up into groups um, of bondage and discipline. Domination and submission, which we have spoken about before. Sadism. Is that how you pronounce that? Sadism? Sadism. I guess it's sadistic. So sadism. 
um, which is inflicting pain and suffering um, or humiliation on others and feeling pleasure of this. And this is another one which I've read so many times in my life, but I can never understand how to pronounce it. Masochism? Masochism. Masochism. (laughs) Say it one more time for the people in the back. Masochism. Um, Sexual That is uh, sexual gratification from one's own pain or humiliation. So you like the pain and humiliation being conflict, like uh, conflicted on yourself. And if that really does interest you, like I can go more in depth about this um, on a different episode because especially the masochism, I hope I'm saying that right. Hang on, let's look it up. What am I even Google? Like masochism, I'm probably saying it so Australian. Masochism. Masochism. Oh, masochism. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Masochism. Masochism. Right. Masochism. (laughs) Um, Masochism. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm not even going to edit it out. I'm just going to leave it in so you can hear, you know. We're all learning here on this podcast, Sex, Psych and Self. Um, But I do find it so interesting. I, I mean... To get off on being humiliated is just such a, a wild concept to me and it's just so interesting. At the end of the day, BDSM is consensual on both sides from the submissive uh, partner in the encounter and the, you know, dominant. It's not sexual assault if it's consensual, as we all know. Sexual, cons- sexual assault is not consensual. So... Sure, if one side, one party of the sexual encounter wasn't consensual, then it could definitely be considered a sexual assault. But from, you know, the stuff we see in movies uh, and the stuff we see on porn, it's usually very, very consensual and both people do seem to be getting off on it. So, you know, again, you do you. If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. And I did, you know, there are so many other kinks besides the dominant submissive relationship. And I actually found a website that had a alphabet of kinks. So I literally found a kink for every letter of the alphabet. So we're going to go through it. We're going to talk about it because I think it is so cool. <laughs> um, so starting off is A. Age play, which we, we touched on at the start of the episode. And it's that kind of, you know, that, you know, category of mature, young, like um, an older man having sex with a, you know, of age, younger woman or a, you know, younger man having a sex with a older woman, um, that kind of age play. Bondage, uh, that comes back down to the, you know, tying up and the leather and that kind of thing. I'm sure we're all familiar with what bondage is. Cuckolding, (laughs) which I have definitely heard the term before, but I didn't actually understand what it was. And it's a female in a hetero relationship, so a straight um, female-male relationship, sleeping with other men and humiliating the male partner. Now, on both sides of this, it's consensual. So the male also gets off 
on this kick. A female sleeping with other men to humiliate her male partner and the male partner not consenting to this, that makes you a bitch. Um, That makes you a terrible person. So I just want to separate that. Both parties are consenting. Dominance spoke about that at the start of the uh, podcast. Electrostimulation. If you've never heard of this, look into it. It's cool. And did you know they're literally selling sex toys with electrostimulation in it, which means light zaps. You know those pens that you used to buy from like the present shops that you press the button and it'll give you a little zap? Imagine that in your vagina because that's what that is. And I didn't even know that was kink, but... That's wild and that's cool. So, electrostimulation. Feet. We all see the TikToks and the memes about feet pics and we're going to drop our uni and just sell feet pics. Feet fetish is a, is a real kink. And it's there and it's happening. Gagging, again, self-explanatory. Humiliation, um, we've spoken about that a few times. Um, impact play for letter I, uh, hitting the body with objects. So I've, you know, you've probably heard of hitting with paddles or whips and stuff like that. That's considered impact play. Japanese bondage for J. Um, those are the really intricate like ropes, uh, that, you know, have all these fancy knots and you're hanging from the roof, hung out. You look like a, you know, a pork, you know, a roast pork and a butcher. How it's got all those ropes around you. That's Japanese bondage. Cool, hey? I mean, being a thicker individual probably wouldn't lean for the roast pork look myself. But I mean, get it. If you're into that, get it. And I just hit the microphone away. <laughs> Clismophilia. Um, I'm just going to give you a second because... I didn't even know this was a thing. Uh, Clismophilia refers to enema play. Shit. That is wild. <laughs> I'm in no way kink shaming. I My mind is just blown. If that's what gets you off, go forth and conquer my, my dude because that is lit. Um... Now, I have here limits for letter L. Okay, so I've just uh, refreshed my knowledge on the limits kink. It's literally just referring to our partners in a BDSM relationship setting limits for what they are and aren't comfortable with, which I think is a great thing that they've included in this because, you know, it comes back to that issue of consent. Super cool. Masochism, which we spoke about before, the arousal of getting you know, hurt or humiliated. Nylon, it's that that fabric, that, you know, spandexy nylon fabric. People get sexually aroused by bodies wrapped in it. And I mean, you can see everything. So I can see how that would be a turn on. Objectum sexuality. And that refers to getting off from objects. Um, I'm sure you've seen those TV shows. I think it's like My Strange Addiction, those kind of TV shows where people like marry their cars and stuff like that. That would be an inject objectum sexuality. And it's actually a, um, you can identify as, I think it's like a object, objectophilia maybe, something like that. And it just refers to the 
you know, the psychology of being attracted to objects rather than humans. And although objects can't consent, so there is that issue, but, you know, I, I guess it's not hurting anyone. And as long as you do it in the privacy of your own home and not... I'm a bit iffy about the public sex thing just because it is so dangerous if you do get caught um, acting in a sexual way, having sex in public, you can actually be registered as a sex offender for a long time and you do not want that on your name because you, like, can't, you know, go in schools, you can't get a blue card, anything. So I am kind of against having sex in public. So in your home, in private, you do you, but don't be, you know, don't be forcing sex on people that maybe don't want to see it, you know? Not everyone wants to see you get enough so maybe just do it in private pregnancy there's a pregnancy kink um i'm sure we're all familiar have seen that before or heard of it before chirophilia which is another one that i'm probably uh pronouncing wrong but it's the hand kink which i've actually never heard of before so there's a feet kink and there's a hand kink and it's getting aroused by sexy hands and manicures and things like that so yeah Sweet. Role play, uh, you know, cops and robbers, cowboys and um, cowgirls. <laughs> I don't know. Fish and fishermen. I don't know what you want to do. What else is the thing? I'm trying to think of like two things that go together. Nurse and doctor. Know what I'm saying? Role play. Okay, this one is amazing and I love it. And I've read 40 bloody articles on this. Spectrophilia. What do you think that's about? Just have a little think. Spectrophilia. Having sex with ghosts. I am a strong believer in ghosts. I believe they exist. I believe it's a thing. Spectrophilia. People have reported having sex with ghosts. Are you kidding? That is cool. I mean... And they like it. And they literally feel the pleasure as if they were having sex with a normal human. That's crazy. Tentacle kink. You do you, I guess. Uh, Europhilia, which is, you know, the golden showers pee play, which we've all heard of before. Voyeurism. That's watching others get it on. So like I was saying before, don't subject others to your sexual encounters. If you're a voyeurist, that's even a word, get it. I mean, again, you do you. Who are we to shame? Whips, um, that comes back down to that impact play that we visited before, whipping. Wax play, dripping hot wax on bodies. That's pretty cool. A yoni egg, um, or maybe it's yoni. Gosh, all these hard words. Yoni egg um, is just like a little egg. It's like a Kegel exercise device and it's inserted inside the vagina and you can use it for Kegel exercises or pleasure. And it's actually a kink. So zappers, that is close. And that's for number Z. So this is our last one. That is closely related to the electrostimulation kink that we spoke of before. But did you know <laughs> that there are Harry Potter wand sex toys out there that zap you? Oh, Disney. <laughs> Hopefully they've got a trademark for that. <laughs> One that needs a valuable mention is exophilia. 
Um, we didn't mention that one, but it's actually the arousal of extraterrestrial, um, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial, supernatural or robots. So it's, you know, being sexually into aliens and supernatural. So witches and what else is supernatural? Like superheroes maybe and robots. I really kind of want to go more into exophilia. Um, I hope that you guys find kinks as interesting as I do because, oh, it's just amazing. This world is so amazing. People are just experimenting and I love it. Now, a researcher called Michael Aaron um, of Psychology Today did a research study, actually, on the mental health effects that people with kinky interests have um, and how this compares to people without kinky interests. So pretty much insinuating that people with kinky interests are more likely to have mental health issues than that of, you know, people with less kinky interests. And he also kind of researched how early their interests developed in life. Now, I know we spoke about this at the start of the podcast, how it does stem from a young age. But Michael Aaron, um, which he is a psychologist, he suggests that kinky interests develop before the age of 10 and are often at first present in your life with no erotic means, which insinuates that before the age of 10, you have these interests that will later on in your life develop into kinky sexual acts, which was also suggested in the facts that I said at the start of the podcast, which I'm trying to think back to my childhood. Um, what was my interest? I don't even know. I wanted to be a marine biologist. No. <laughs> I'll have to get back to you on that one. In my research, I found that there are actual social networking sites like a Tinder for kinky people and there's one called fet life so i guess if you're about that get on it get amongst it meet people who will blow your mind i know i have dropped the word fetish a few times in this podcast but kink the word kink and the word fetish are actually different they differentiate and the word kink relates to a variety of intimate behaviors that are consensual like I've mentioned before, such as the ones we've spoken about. And a fetish is a more narrow, less broad term. And it describes erotic interests such as smells, fabrics, and non-human objects. Like a fetish of mine would be the smell of clean washing with Omo laundry detergent, the, not, the non-sensitive kind and comforts, fragrance, fabric softener on a Sunday afternoon. Me just like breathing like I can smell it, talking about it, I can literally smell it. That would literally be one of my fetishes. I'm like not even kidding. That and uh, probably my boyfriend in his high-vis uniform. (laughs) I can get amongst that and my dude's, if you have a partner that works somewhere where they wear high vis and like jeans and boots, it does it for me. eh? That is a fetish. It does it for me. And it's funny that we're doing this episode now because me and my friends actually had a conversation about the weirdest um, kind of sexual encounters we've had. And 
a lot of them had not had that strange of sexual encounters. And I think it just comes back to the fact that people are scared. So the worst thing that could happen is someone says, nah, I don't want to do that. You'll be like, cool, let's just have normal sex then. That's okay. You know, experiment. Get amongst it. There is nothing wrong with experimenting. And I think the older you get, the more comfortable with your sexuality you become. Um, Even though I've always been an extremely, you know, sexual person, I was not, like I mentioned before, I was not always super comfortable with my sexuality. And when I say sexuality, I don't necessarily mean how I identify because I do identify as a straight female, but sexuality as in what I am into sexually. I will openly say on this podcast, I am very comfortable and very, you know, confident with who I am sexually now. Um, I am super comfortable with my body. I am in a long-term relationship now, so it's not like many people see me in that way, but I'm so comfortable. And, And I think being a nurse also helps how comfortable you are with your body because, I mean... Everybody has private parts. Everybody has boobs. Everybody has a butt. Everyone has a butthole. Everyone has a vagina. Everyone has a doodle, like a penis. So yours is no different to what I've seen a hundred billion times before at work. And I was speaking to one of my friends about this the other day and doctors don't think about what your vagina looks like when you go to them for a pap smear. They're not looking at your vag going, oh, God, this is not as good as the 4,000 other ones I've seen today. Doctors and nurses are professionals. We're not thinking about what your WAP looks like. So don't stress. On that note, go get a sexual health test. Go get tested for sexually transmitted diseases. This just took a turn. But like I'm talking about doctors and getting your DAX down. Go pee in a cup. Go get a pap smear. Go get a blood test. Go do it. Because there's nothing more important than your health. And this podcast is all about promoting good mental health and sexual health. So, you know, this is your sign. If you're waiting for a sign, here it is. Go get a STD check. And remember, and I will do, we are doing an episode on STDs. Let me tell you, I am so passionate about this side of sexual health. But this is your sign. Go get a sexual health test. Go to get an STD test. It's not an embarrassing thing. It is part of looking after yourself. And remember, it's not just peeing in a cup. It's also a blood test. Okay. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) All right. Well, it is currently 10 to 8 at nighttime and I have work tomorrow. But Thank you all so, so much for listening to the podcast. I have had so many great reviews and it's, oh, it's just making me so happy, filling my heart. And I'm so excited to do the podcast every week. Um, So I'm even dropping, thinking about dropping down a day to solely rely on the podcast, which it's just so exciting because it's just so exciting because I've always wanted to do something like this so here we are doing the damn thing and I hope you enjoyed this episode on kinks um I was super excited to research it for you I literally could not get out of my head out of the computer for like two days um it was hard to kind of confine it down to a 30 minute episode but you know 
thank you so much for tuning in and the next episode will be out next week. Uh, I haven't really decided what it's going to be about yet, but it's going to be about a mental health issue um, because I did uh, upload a poll on Instagram. And if you don't follow the Instagram, go follow it. It's sex psych self pod. Um, and that's where I post all the updates and heaps of posts about sexual mental health and self-care and all that fun stuff. And I love doing it. Um, so yeah, the next episode will be mental health related and, um, yeah, this was a bit of a wild one, but look after yourself, look after your mental health. And most of all, and most importantly of all, go have some safe sex. I'm Tady. This is Sex, Psych and Self. And until the next episode, episode five. Bye. I just let out the weirdest breath. <laughs> Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.